All right, let's get started. Uh, good afternoon. Welcome to DOP 326, DOP 326, how you'll deploy your code, scale your application, and lower your cloud costs using AWS Elastic Beanstalk. First, welcome to reInvent. Um, I'm just curious, how many of you are attending reInvent for the very first time? Wow, it's a lot of people. Uh, it's going to be an exciting week for you all. Uh, you're going to learn a lot. This is not a marketing conference, it's a learning conference, and you're doing the right thing by coming to these sessions and others. Uh, so you're going to learn a lot. And folks who have attended reInvent before will tell you, uh, by Friday, you'll forget about things that you've learned because you've learned so much, and you'll be exhausted with the amount of things you've learned. So I want you to remember this session, though. This is Monday. It's still early. I want you to remember this when you go home. So I'll give you some homework through the session so you can take home and try it on your own. And if you want to remember this session, we'll also have stickers we'll hand out at the very end that you can put on your laptops, okay? So tools to help you remember things. This session is about productivity, right? What is productivity? So I'll start talking about this for a little bit so we have some context. Productivity very simply means doing more things with less time and effort. Very few will argue with that, right? But when it comes to developer productivity, it's actually very different from what normal people think of as productivity, right? And you can apply this to any creative endeavor, be that writing, it could be engineering, design, like these things, in these endeavors to be creative, you have to have flow. And you know it when you have flow, and you know it when you don't, right? So it's really hard to measure. And we've invented so many different tools to improve productivity that, and we try to measure productivity by amount of work that gets done. But it's really important to remember that quality of what you deliver is more important when you have new technologies or tools or languages that promise to improve productivity, they help, but they rarely improve overall productivity, which is kind of driven by things like requirement gathering, meetings that take up more time than it actually does to get the work done. And there's really no one trick to boost productivity, despite what you hear. If you're interested in how to improve productivity for yourself, or for your teams, I highly recommend a book that was written maybe about 30 years ago called Peopleware, uh, Productive Projects and Teams by Tom uh, DeMarco. It's a, it's a very good book, still very relevant today. But anyway, in reality what happens when you want to improve developer productivity is you're assigned a task. You know, the requirements are clear, we know what we want to build, here's a project, right? And within that project you have severe time pressure, you have requirements that are not clearly defined and they could even change as you start building them, you really don't have new staffing, and you have low operational costs. Knowing what tools are available to you is extremely important in this situation. And knowing which tool to use for which job is super critical, right? You don't want to be trying to figure out how to use a new tool to improve your productivity when you have a deadline looming. So being aware of tools that exist and how to use them effectively 
is super important. All right, so this session, we're gonna talk about a service called AWS Elastic Beanstalk. Now, my name is Prashant Prahlad. I am a senior manager for the service. Uh, joining me in this demo is Shaker, uh, who's going to actually show a very interesting use case um, using Elastic Beanstalk. But don't think of Elastic Beanstalk as a service. It does several things really well, but it is also a set of tools that you can use in your productivity toolkit to do a variety of different things. And we'll look at a few of them today. I'm going to show you a demo of how you can migrate a .NET application running on a Windows server over to a managed Elastic Beanstalk environment. You'll also get to take your home kit, as I said, to be able to try it by yourself. We'll show you how you can modernize your application using containers, Docker containers, and run them on Elastic Beanstalk. We'll get into some advanced scenarios of how you can use continuous integration, continuous deployment, various deployment options available to you, how you can actually do blue-green deployments, if that term is familiar to you. Um, and because you attended this session, and I want you to really remember this, we're going to also get into some features we launched on Elastic Beanstalk and see how you can use it to actually further boost your productivity. And all this will come together in the demo that Shaker will do at the very end. Now, I'm kind of curious, how, uh, how many people have used Elastic Beanstalk at least once? Okay, excellent. So you're familiar with the service. For those of you who haven't used it or didn't feel like raising your hand, um, I'll give you a brief overview of the service, but this is a 300 level session, so please keep up and we'll try to get into details about how you can use it to improve your productivity. So please stay engaged, at least for the first few minutes. The common use cases when it comes to using a service like Elastic Beanstalk is it helps you set up the infrastructure required for your environment, right? Your application requires AWS infrastructure and this tool or the service sets it up for you. Uh, it also offers a set of curated platforms, application platforms, web servers, application servers that are managed for you. There's a set of 12 of them from which you can choose based on your application. It also scales that infrastructure based on traffic that comes into your application. And then let's say there's a security vulnerability or a patch that needs to be applied this service will go apply that for you. And of course, it monitors the health of your application, it load balances the application, all good stuff. And it does that at no additional cost, right? So you don't actually pay for the service. It's, uh, you pay for the underlying resources uh, that you use through the service. But for people who have used Beanstalk, that was obvious, right? There's some uncommon use cases too. As I said, you could migrate a .NET application to a managed infrastructure from on-premises to AWS using Beanstalk. You can use multi-container Docker to actually run multiple Docker containers on a single instance to get more benefit from, from using uh, container services. You can serve your machine learning app using Beanstalk. You can perform blue-green deployments. You can create your own development platform as a service or has that a lot of enterprises are doing to actually support their internal developers using the tools that Beanstalk provides. 
For those who have not used Beanstalk, just a quick overview of what Beanstalk is. It's an easy to use service that sets up your EC2 instances in an auto scaling group. And it also allows you to uh, scale that on, on demand to your application. It gives you curated platforms that allow you to um, run applications in different languages, Java, Python, Ruby, Go, various types of uh, application servers and runtimes are available to you. And it's also fronted by a load balancer if you wanted a highly available configuration. So you can choose to set that up. So all you need to do as a developer is submit your application code and Elastic Beanstalk will take care of the rest. But this sounds really good, but let's see it in, in action here. I'm showing you how you can take a new application. It's a container that you create, right? Really simple to get started. And I say get started, okay? And what I did after I created the application is it asked me to create an environment and I choose to create a web server environment. There's another option here called a worker environment, but a web server basically is the same. It's an EC2 instance. I'll choose Java as an example here. And each of those pre-configured platforms that you saw comes with a sample application, right? So I'll say, you know, just give me the sample application. I don't want to do anything fancy here. I'm not even going to go into the detailed configuration settings. I could change a lot of knobs, but the defaults that we've created for you are good enough to get started, right? And what Beanstalk is doing now is creating the environment, creating the EC2 instance, creating an elastic IP address to associate with that instance, and then it's going to give me an endpoint, right? And this is the endpoint it gave me, right? I speeded up the video just a little bit. But this is the endpoint it gave me, which basically says I've deployed my sample application on a web page, right? I can access it from an endpoint. And it's really that simple to get started. Now, for those of you who think this console thing is, you know, it's not for advanced users, you could also do it using the CLI. There's really three commands you need to use to get started. EB init, which actually initializes your application, the container we just created. EB create, that creates all the resources required to run that application. And that should be sufficient. EB deploy will deploy the application code that you've created onto that infrastructure. But in this case, we deployed the sample application. So really simple steps to get started. Now, as I said, the service automatically handles infrastructure provisioning configuration, ongoing management of infrastructure resources, the deployment aspect, how you deploy the code onto running application, running servers, load balancing, auto scaling. You also monitor health, something we'll get into in a lot more detail. We automatically apply updates to that runtime that runs on those servers. And you can also troubleshoot, log, and analyze issues when things go wrong. Now, I want you to remember this slide. Because this looks like a set of features that a service provides, but in reality, these are the set of tools available to you. You could mix and match them based on your use case. It's not that one service provides you all these things, but it does, it does more, right? So keep that in mind. We'll revisit this slide based on the use cases we just saw. Now for those who have not used Beanstalk or forgotten, 
uh, a couple of things you need to know before we dive into a lot more detail. Uh, the first one is an application. Now, if you noticed in that video share that I just did, the first thing I did was created an application. An application is just an empty container, right? It has nothing in it when you create it. We have something called an application version, which is code that you create that sits inside that application container. Now, the application version, when I first created that app, happened to be a sample application, right? The third thing you have to remember is the term platform. Now, in that dropdown, I chose Java. There are a set of curated platforms there. These are language runtimes based on the language in which you write your application in. Right? These are created by Elastic Beanstalk. They're curated by AWS, not just the Beanstalk team. Uh, we actually apply them, we, we curate them, we patch them. We, have, uh, we try to keep up with all the launches that happen, and sometimes we're a little bit behind, but we try to keep up as much as fast as we can uh, and as securely as we can. Um, so we curate these platforms. And environment, when you create an application, that's not enough. You need to create an environment for it to run. Application can run, application code can run in different environments. You could have a test environment, a dev environment, a production environment. Environment is a set of infrastructure resources that are connected together in some form to support your application version. And they live inside this container called application, okay? Hopefully you guys are all with me so far. It's hard to tell when everyone has headphones on whether you're paying attention or not. Um, all right, so visual way to get used to this. Um, you see the, the bottom host there? That's created by Beanstalk on AWS Cloud, so it happens to be EC2 instances. It could be other resources like EIP, S3 buckets, and so on. Everything in gray, the language interpreter, application server, the web server. That's the curated platform that Beanstalk creates for you. And what you have to supply is the one in green, the application code that runs on top of all of that. And everything in gray and below is completely managed by the service for you. Now, where is this application version thing useful? So let's say you have a version of an app that's deployed in production and you want to modify it and make some changes to it, you create a new version of the app. And if you have two environments, you could actually deploy the new version of the app to a different environment than your production environment, test it, and then make sure you deploy it to the production one when you feel comfortable. Now, all the versions of code that you deploy are actually stored in an S3 bucket, so you can quickly switch back to a safe version if you're trying to do something new and things don't go well, right? So you can promote those. This is just a visual describing that. Now, health monitoring of an application is very important. So because that those things that you saw in gray are curated uh, platforms and application servers that are managed by Beanstalk, we monitor the logs for you. We monitor uh, errors in those logs. So 4xx or 5xx errors are all monitored. And it's not just the application logs. We also manage the infrastructure. So we know if there's something weird about your infrastructure, if you are getting throttled or anything like that. So all of those come together and we give you a health score. We tell you if your environment is healthy or not healthy. 
must have been a good talk. Um, and what we also do is give you details about what we're seeing as issues, right? We also monitor CloudWatch uh, metrics, which you'll see, uh, I'll talk about in a little bit. We, you're able to actually uh, get a sense of CPU utilization, memory utilization, and so on and so forth that all kind of pipe into the health score that you get on this, this dashboard. And if you want to dive deeper, there's something called AWS X-Ray that you can optionally enable to get even more insights into your application. Now, uh, the platforms that we support, here's a few examples. There's 12 different platforms that are available to you. Um, some of the things, some of the popular ones are here, various versions of, um, of Docker, PHP, Python, Ruby, Go, uh, you know, the, all the popular programming languages and frameworks that are useful to developers are supported by us. If you find something that's more useful to you that is not supported, we'll add it, right? Or feel free to create it and make it available to other people in the community because people value that, right? Because you can create custom platforms and images. That's also an option. You don't have to stick with the things we provide. Now, hopefully that gives people who are not used to the service enough context Let's try to get into productivity tasks, okay? Now, if you're a developer and someone comes and says, I have a website, .NET, running on Windows, Windows Server, and I want to migrate it to AWS. If you're not aware of these tools available to you, the first thing you do is create an EC2 instance, run Windows Server on it, set up IIS, .NET Core, muck around with networking to get all of them to work properly, set up the IAM roles, policies required to actually access different parts of the system, migrate the backend database onto this system, and then deploy the web application to that instance, and then, don't forget, continue operating that website with all the system management tools we provide, like AWS Systems Manager and so on. That's a fine route for a lot of customers. That works great. But remember the slide I told we have to come back to? These are the set of tools that you've learned about. These are the set of tools that are available to you. So when you can provision infrastructure, configure it for use, and have ongoing management of it, why not use that to migrate workloads? So if you have a .NET workload to migrate, use an Elastic Beanstalk environment, which actually offers a Windows uh, .NET managed platform. What that means is every time uh, Tuesday you get a security fix or a patch, we will curate that patch for you and make it available on this platform. And by the way, apply that fix to your platform without causing any application downtime. So you do zero in terms of operating that infrastructure once you migrate it on. Now, you could also use it to migrate the SQL server application, SQL server that's required to support that website. And of course, no uh, infrastructure management. And all this sounds really good, but how do you actually do it, right? So we have here, and this is new, so thank yourself for coming to this session. Remember this. We launched a new web app migration assistant, and we launched it on GitHub, which means that you could play with it, you could see the source, and you could update it if you want. Let's see what this 
Web App Migration Assistant actually does. Now, as an example here, I have a website that's running on Windows, and it has two components on the website. This is a .NET application. One is called NROP 4.2. It's an e-commerce website, pretty standard. It has all the things you'd accept from an e-commerce website. And it runs on an on-premise Windows server. And this is the one I want to migrate. Now, the, dot, the Windows Web App Migration Assistant that was on GitHub is a set of PowerShell scripts we've written to actually take a snapshot of your web application, migrate it over, and have it running on Elastic Beanstalk. So let's see how that actually works. Here, um, maybe a couple of things I should tell you. I have set up one IAM role that's required for this operation, and it's in the readme of the GitHub. So if, you, if you're worried about how to set up IAM roles, the policy is right there. It's called default. The second thing I've done is I've used the database migration service to migrate the SQL backend over, right? So even though the website's running there, I've migrated the SQL backend. So there are two copies of databases, one on-premise, on one on AWS, but the website is still running as normal. So what this PowerShell script is gonna do, uh, you know, is you, you set it up, it's a script that runs, it takes, uh, it looks for the AWS credentials of the profile that I've created. It's called default, as I mentioned which region do you want to actually migrate this app to? US East One, most popular by far, and then the name of the actual website to migrate. So it knows the name of the website running on the server, the current server, it'll take a snapshot of that website, and then what it'll do is look at all the connection strings that website has. So it knows it's talking to the database in the backend, and it tells you that this is the connection string that I found. It when it's migrating, it wants to ask you, which database do you want me to connect it to now once migration is complete, right? So we have to update those connection strings before we finish the migration. And there are really two connection strings here. So what you have to do is open up this file and change from the database that runs on-premise, which in this case is EC2 AMA, and I'm going to look at the new connection string, which is the database that I migrated to AWS already, and I just updated the name of the database, right? And that's it. Hit enter when you're done. And now it's going to go create the Beanstalk environment required for this. And there's some default settings here that uh, we can skip over, integrate with AD and so on. It has all those features for you. And I have to name the Elastic Beanstalk application where this website is now going to migrate to. I call it uh, November 20th demo here. And then it gives me an update of what's happening and then starts creating the Beanstalk environment in the background. Keep in mind, I've not used the console for any of this. This is all being driven by that PowerShell script that's available on GitHub, right? So this migration is completed now and it gives me the endpoint, right? The endpoint now, it says it's something.useast.elasticbeanstalk.amazon.com, and if I go here, I can see that the same website that you saw running on premises has now, is now running on Elastic Beanstalk environment with the same SQL server, with a SQL server backend that I've migrated previously. 
Now you might have noticed the SQL Server migration piece I've skimmed over, and other PowerShell script actually helps you migrate the database as well, right? So you get a package here for migrating your web application from a Windows.NET application, not necessarily a website, from on-premises to Elastic Beanstalk in a managed environment where security fixes and patches are applied for you. Just telling you what, what happened. Uh, the back end here was SQL Server 2017 on running on EC2. Um, and then Beanstalk provisioned the necessary infrastructure. Now, um, you know, the advantages of running it on a managed platform are obvious. Uh, I've listed them here. Application, your website, encountering errors. Your, if you have issues, logs are available through CloudWatch. You can monitor the infrastructure if you wanted to. If you, I didn't actually create a web, I created a web server environment which is not load balanced, but if you wanted to create a highly available configuration, you could create a load balancer and so on and so forth. So the options to make this more complicated, but yet more robust are available to you, but I just took the simplest path to demonstrate that it's actually possible. And the code is available on GitHub, so please check it out. Um, that was task number one. Uh, I'm going to show you a way of using the other tools to actually modernize an application, right? Now, many don't know this and still maybe associate, especially those who've used Beanstalk with EC2 instances and load balancing and auto-scaling, but Beanstalk actually supports Docker and multi-container Docker that runs on Elastic uh, Container Service, EC2 Container Services. So. Uh, Multi-container Docker, single-container Docker runs one container image on an EC2 instance. Multi-container Docker allows you to run multiple Docker containers in one environment to actually realize cost savings, right? So, um, obviously very useful. Uh, a task here is running a PHP website uh, with an Nginx proxy uh, as Docker. Now, you could choose to compose this on your own, but go back to the toolkit we looked at. You can actually run this on a managed environment with automated provisioning, deployment, and load balancing. Now, off the set of tools that were available to you, you can look at how uh, we can apply some of the deployment, load balancing, and auto-scaling capabilities uh, of Elastic Beanstalk to create this. Let me demonstrate how I I'm able to create this php.net uh, PHP website using um, Nginx proxy. Now, I'll create a new container, again, an application, right? I'll call it multi-container docker example with PHP and Nginx. Uh, I will create the empty container and then go create the environment required. So I'll create all the resources required to actually run this application. It's going to take a few minutes. I probably hope to speed it up. A web server environment uh, is pretty standard because I'm trying to create um, an EC2 instance that has uh, potentially in the future load balancing and uh, other things uploaded to it. I'm going to upload my code. And this code is sample code. Uh, I have to first create this Docker run version that has the PHP container and then it also has the Nginx container, right? And it also has the configuration file and where I can find 
the containers, container images themselves. The container images point to Docker Hub. So I'm looking at the PHP from Docker Hub, I'm looking at Nginx from Docker Hub, and pulling them over to this Elastic Beanstalk environment through that docker run.json file. The app itself is a static HTML. It has an index, and then the Nginx proxy is configured for me. Now I've zipped that up into a specific application structure that you'll see in a minute, and I'm going to deploy it onto this Beanstalk environment. Now, this is very similar to the first thing you saw, except I have zipped up the application instead of using the sample application, right? Now, the same things happen here. You will be able to see all of the resources being created, and while they're being created, you can get an uh, update of what's, what's happening here. The instances are waiting to be launched. And this is creating an ECS task, uh, EC2 container service task definition in the background. It's creating the cluster for you. It's creating all the resources that are required to run the PHP container and the Nginx container. And once it's set up, uh, you can take a look at the endpoint. In this case, it's a website. I've written something there, uh, and it's basically in that zip I cre created. Um, but what happened in the background, if you look at uh, Elastic Container Services, or ECS, is I've created this new cluster. Beanstalk has gone and created this new cluster with specific task definitions that are taken from that Docker file that was just created, right, with all those PHP and Nginx containers. And there are two containers now running on this cluster. Right, so hopefully that gives you some idea of how you can run multi-container Docker Elastic Beanstalk. Now, all the code I wrote for this was just welcome to reinvent in the PHP website. I zipped up the Docker run, this index.php, and the Nginx proxy into a zip file and uploaded it. Now, it's much easier to do as a demo. I have the sample on GitHub. The sample exists, so you can also go and try this at home, right? It's just like, the fact that I can do it as a product manager means that anyone can. So we've talked a lot about getting started, how easy it is to get started, how you know, simple it is to get started, but life's not all about getting started, right? You have to be productive. Have, and to be productive, you have to have less overhead to manage these resources once they're running in your account, right? So how do we actually assist with ongoing management? Let's look at that same slide and look at the other parts of this toolkit that can help you with ongoing management. Enhanced health, and this is part of the health monitoring that I described earlier. Enhanced health is super important because it gives you not just the, the log, it monitors the logs on the application server that we're running for you, so all the 2xx, 3xx that you see there. In this case, I don't have errors. It also monitors latency it monitors load on the system, and the infrastructure that is supporting that application, right? So it's very rare to, when you have infrastructure issues, you have infrastructure tools to help you debug health issues. If you have application servers, you know how to debug application logs. This actually brings them together, right? And gives you a health score. And if there's an issue, your health score gets degraded, and then you're sent an SNS notification. You can subscribe to that SNS notification and get alerted, 
You could also choose to email that SNS notifications. There's a lot of customers who prefer to just get emails that their app is not performing as normally. So it's a very useful tool. And then having the history of the health log issues here is very useful to debug if something goes wrong. There's also a monitoring tab on Beanstalk that helps you take a look at the CloudWatch metrics that are coming from the underlying infrastructure, CPU utilization, uh, environment health, of course, is already there, but you also get network traffic in and out, and you're able to set alerts in CloudWatch that you can actually monitor through this system. Now, I mentioned a couple of times about ongoing management and application of management, managed updates. What that really is, is you give Beanstalk a time window, and if you don't give us one, we'll pick one at random. And anytime the platform that we create and support it for you has an update, like a patch coming from Microsoft or somewhere else, or a PHP update, we will package that up for you and then deploy that onto your resources during that time window, right? This is an example of uh, an app I have that's running 64-bit uh, um, Linux, running Python, and all the Python updates that have come in have been automatically applied. And if it doesn't get applied, you can see a log here that we tried to apply it and we couldn't do it for some reason, and you can debug that later. So they happen by themselves, basically, right? All taken care of for you. Let's look at a few advanced scenarios here. Uh, hopefully this is, uh, for many of you in a 300 session, you've, you're like, yeah, I get this. This makes sense to me. But let's, let's try to sort of make this really worth your while. Let's go deeper. You can actually set up, many of you may have heard continuous integration and continuous deployment. Continuous integration, as a matter of definition, is you check in some code, and then you take that code, and you build it into the actual application, and you test it. That's your continuous integration. Uh, continuous deployment is you take that tested code and then go deploy it to production. Sounds pretty scary for people who haven't tried it, but statistics show that doing continuous integration and continuous deployment is actually safer than doing this monolithic, like, once-in-a-while deployments. Now, you could actually use Elastic Beanstalk to do these continuous deployments. You could use it with tools to actually do continuous integration. I've used an example of AWS tools, but you could mix and match this any way you want, right? Now, code commit is a fully managed Git service that basically allows you to store your code. Code build takes that source code and builds it into a, compiles it or builds the source code into a set of packages and code pipeline orchestrates all of those. So you could run, you could build it into, uh, using code build into your package. You could create a pipeline to actually test that code, uh, run integration test after, after you're done with actually building that code, and then deploy it to Elastic Beanstalk. When I say deploy to Elastic Beanstalk, there's really four, maybe five, deployment uh, policies you can apply. Let's look at all of them. So the, the first one is called all-at-once deployment, which means you, if you're doing uh, development and you want to test something really quickly, deploy all the code as fast as you can, right? Uh, speed is critical there. And as you go down in this table, safety becomes more important than speed, right? So that's how you should sort of read this table. 
When you look at rolling deployments, you can actually uh, roll out the new code, apply it to a subset of your instances, and then keep applying it to a subset of instances until you feel comfortable applying to the rest of your infrastructure. Rolling with additional batch is basically don't touch my existing infrastructure, apply the new code by creating new infrastructure. When you feel comfortable with it, apply it, roll it out to the rest of your fleet. Immutable deployments adds take safety to a whole new level. New code and old code don't run on the same infrastructure. So your old code runs on a set of infrastructure resources and your new code is, a new set of infrastructure resources are provisioned for you and then the co new code runs on that infrastructure. Now, you might have also heard of blue-green deployments. This is where you could, we'll get into details. It's very similar to immutable, except you control when it's time to switch. Now, just to recap, when you try to deploy using Beanstalk and you have set up this con continuous integration and continuous deployment policies, you could do all at once. Again, this is, I have four instances fronted by a load balancer. You apply V2 over V1 indiscriminately, right? Good for testing. Rolling, where I take V2 code, apply it to a subset of instances. In rolling, you have to specify a batch size. In this case, the batch size is two, which means I'm going to apply the new code to two instances at a time on the existing infrastructure, right? Slightly, uh, fa reasonably fast and reasonably safe. Rolling with additional batch is a little bit safer where we create new instances and run the new code on those new instances and then switch over when you tell us it's okay to do so. Immutable is basically we recreate the entire infrastructure and run the new code on the new infrastructure and just switch the load balancer to point to the new infrastructure and then destroy the old one. Okay. Blue-green is a little bit like immutable, as I mentioned. So for those of you who are not familiar with blue-green, you have an active version, the blue version. Uh, you create a new version, the green version, of your infrastructure or your code, and then you deploy your code to it, you new environment, you deploy your code to it, you test it, you validate it, make sure it's working fine, and then switch over to the green version. Sounds fairly simple. You can accomplish this using Elastic Beanstalk, right? If you want to go advanced, you can accomplish using Elastic Beanstalk. Here's a blue environment, four EC2 instances running in front of a load balancer. I can choose to clone this environment. Under actions, there's a setting that says clone environment. Guess what happens? You clone the environment. Now that we can take as the green environment and then it has a new endpoint. In this case, it's my app new elasticbeanstock.com. It points to the new cloned environment. Now I can deploy application, new application code to it. I could test and make sure it's working as I expect it to. And then there's a capability in the environment here. When I look at the blue one, I can say swap environment URL. What that really does is take the new endpoint uh, and point it to the old one, take the old endpoint and point it to the green one. What you've done when you swap URL is effectively made your green environment the primary. 
right? So you're comfortable with it. Now that's my primary, let's go, right? So that's kind of how you do blue-green deployments using Elastic Beanstalk, another advanced scenario. Some customers take this even further. The stuff that you've seen here, the toolkit that you have available to you, customers have taken and combined with other AWS infrastructure, be that container services, such as Fargate or Amazon Elastic Kubernetes services, and created almost a front-end um, catalog, if you will, that, allowed, that has best practices available to their developers. And they, in this catalog, it's seamlessly integrated with uh, you know, a single sign-on with their Active Directory. They have logging enabled with whatever infrastructure they've created for logging, their own DNS. And it's essentially created their own platform as a service for developers to use. And when developers come into this platform, they have the option to choose an Elastic Beanstalk environment or an EKS environment, all have the same sort of enterprise integrations to them. Now, if you're interested in implementing this, it's not trivial, but there are customers who've done it. And Qualcomm is an example of a customer who did it. I have a link here available for you that you can go and actually see details and screenshots about how they've implemented it and what it took them to actually get there. And they, I think they used ECS and Elastic Beanstalk. They didn't actually combine it with Fargate. There are tons of examples of other customers have done this. Um, but it's, it is certainly an enterprise scenario. Now, we talked about some advanced scenarios. I wanna, uh, since you've come here, I, I wanna talk about new features that we've launched. And I believe this is the first, and I think the only session where you're going to hear about this feature, so you'll thank yourself later. The first thing is Beanstalk now supports EC2 spot instances. What that really means is that if you had an environment, previously you had on-demand or reserved instances, now you can add spot instances to that mix and you can specify a maximum price for that spot instance so you can scale not just based on demand but also based on availability of spot instances and your cost constraints. And like every feature that we launch, it's available on the CLI, it's available on the management console, there are APIs that are updated for this so you just have to make small tweaks to start using them. Now, these are screenshots of how you can add spot instances to your mix. So as you can see, I can say, combine purchases and option, and then add a maximum price for my spot instance. Uh, Shaker's going to come and do a demo that basically shows how all this works, and you can basically save, save money without doing that much more. You can also create new environments using spot. Um, but again, I will, I'm tempted to go into detail, but I will wait for the demo. The second feature that, that we launched was the managed updates I was telling you about where you can specify a window where you can apply those updates, maybe Saturday between two and 5 a.m. or something like that. We now turned managed updates on by default for all new environments. What that means is if you create a new environment using one of our supported platforms, we will try to update that environment with the latest security fixes and patches without having to ask you anything, right? Uh, now, update window is chosen at random. If you want, you can go change that window to whatever you want. Uh, and the important thing is we are very safe when we deploy those platform updates. If you see an issue with your application logs, if you see a health issue, 
we will roll back those managed updates and give you a notification. So in your personal health dashboard, you'll get a notification stating, hey, Elastic Beanstalk tried to update this environment and couldn't do it, here's why. Right? So if you're familiar with the AWS supports personal health notification, the top right icon, the bell icon, it'll have a list of why these managed updates failed. But we will prioritize application availability over applying that update. So if anything mucks with your application availability, we will not apply it. The third feature we launched um, is uh, a new platform. Um, so many of you may be familiar with the Java development kit. Amazon has its own distribution of OpenJDK called Coreto. And there are two Java 8, uh, or Coreto 8 and Coreto 11, the Java 8 and 11. We started to support that with Amazon Linux 2, which is a whole new platform for us. So this platform is now available in beta. It's beta only because we want to see what kind of applications you're going to build with it. It has different hooks available from the previous Amazon Linux platforms. So this is now available to you to try. And we'd love feedback on how it's working out or not working. That's why it's a beta. All right. All that was interesting, uh, but Shaker, my colleague, is going to come on stage and show us how the third productivity task uh, uh, has been implemented using Beanstalk. Shaker, take it away. Thanks, Prashant. So for this demo, we are actually inspired by a customer who wrote a blog on running a machine learning app using Elastic Beanstalk. So what really intrigued us is that uh, the callouts that the customer made on how cost-effective it is to run a machine learning app using Elastic Beanstalk. And uh, what we were so excited is that it happened before we launched the support of uh, Spot instances. So after our launch of uh, Spot instances support, we are more thrilled that this uh, running the same application on Elastic Beanstalk becomes much more cost-effective. So I'll be using the same application that the customer used. Uh, it's a sentiment analysis application. Uh, it's, it's written in Python, and when it is served with a text, uh, what the application does is it analyzes the text and gives if the sentiment is positive or negative. Uh, so we'll uh, use the default configuration that Elastic Beanstalk provides us uh, to have the application up and running. And once the application is uh, running, we can go and change the configuration of it uh, to actually run it on the spot instances. Let's get started. So this is the blog post that I referred to that the customer wrote. And here is the callouts that he made, uh, like 5x cheaper. So yeah, uh, I'm using the Elastic Beanstalk console, and I will uh, go create an application name uh, so that we can create an environment with this application. So I'll choose the Python platform. Uh, that's, that's what the application is written in. So I'm uploading the code uh, that I downloaded from the public GitHub repo that the customer shared in the blog post. And with just one click, uh, now we can just go ahead and create this environment uh, with that application. So Beanstalk is actually provi provisioning all the resources. 
and it's um, creating all the infrastructure under the hood. So there you see you have the application now up and running, and that's the endpoint to access the application. So yeah, this is the application. So we'll use this um, uh, tool, RecBen, uh, uh, to actually send invocations to that application. So what we'll do is we'll go ahead and uh, paste the endpoint here. And we can send some text invocations to that sentiment analysis application, uh, which should give us uh, what the sentiment of the text is. Okay. So with it's great, it's going to show us on the top right, you can see uh, it's showing positive. And we can go and change the text to something probably not so positive. Let's do this. Poor. Oh, I see. Yeah, there you guys see the negative. Coming back to the positive note. So this is what actually this application is doing. Uh, it's taking all the invocations and it's actually analyzing it. And Beanstalk is running this application on an uh, on-demand instance. So now let's go and change that configuration uh, so to move from on-demand instance to actually run it on a spot instance. So I'm going to the capacity. So uh, as you can see, it's running on on-demand. I'll go ahead and enable the spot. So this is a cool thing. Beanstalk still gives you more uh, default settings. So if you don't want to like play around with things like you know, price of spot or uh, more like the composition, you can just rely on the default settings and you can just go ahead and create it. But just for the sake, uh, I'm going to go and change some more parameters here. So I'll set some price, um, which I'm comfortable with, let's say 80 cents. That's per hour, right? Yeah, it's 80 cents per hour. So I want it to fully run on the spot instances. Uh, so you can run uh, fully on on-demand, or you can run fully on spot, or better, you can run uh, on a combination of on-demand and spot instances. So I'll go and change a few more configuration settings. Um, let's go and see if the managed updates are turned on by default. Yeah, so the managed updates are turned on by default, so I don't have to worry about uh, automating uh, the patch management and all. And I want to like, go and change the deployment policy. Uh, I wanted to change it from all at once to immutable so that the application that's currently running will not have any downtime. So with immutable, so that you won't have any downtime, and it creates a new spot instance. Uh, it runs uh, the app on the spot instance, and once the health check is all good, then um, we'll, we'll continue to go into the new configuration. I'll go ahead and apply all these changes. So the, all the configuration is now uh, taking into effect. And there you are. The application is now healthy. So all the, it's now currently running on all the spot instances. Uh, we can just verify the endpoint just to see that the application is running and it's not having any downtime. It's not giving us any errors. But let's go and actually see 
the spot instances and how much we are actually saving between on-demand and the spot instances. So for that, I'm going to actually EC2 console. And here I'm going into spot request. So there is a instance uh, that Beanstalk provisioned. It's a spot instance. It's a tt.small. You can see the max price uh, that is running um, uh, for that. And I actually am curious about uh, how much are we actually saving. So the EC2 console have this saving summary that you can go and click and see what, what exactly are the savings. So it shows that 70% uh, savings, so it's, uh, the application is running on a t2.small instance. Uh, if it is an on-demand, we would be paying like three, seven, three cents per hour, but now because it's spot, we are just paying one cent an hour. So that's a great amount of saving right there. So especially uh, machine learning applications uh, that you want to serve with a lot of traffic, uh, it's a great use case to kind of run it on spot instance or a combination of spot instances and on-demand. And you can actually scale it. You can scale it to uh, whichever uh, size you want, and you can scale it uh, in a whichever composition that you want uh, with an on-demand and spot. So that concludes our demo. I'll give it to Prashant now to conclude the session. Great. Th thanks, Shaker. So very, very exciting for us to see how you can use spot instances in combination with things like machine learning inference. If you ever wanted to use the sentiment analysis to go crawling the web for sentiments using spot instances, uh, it's a good opportunity to do so. And as Shaker mentioned, all the demos you saw here are available on GitHub, so you can try it yourself. These are not sort of made up, uh, you know, we, you, 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 can, you can do this using the code that you've, you've seen here. Um, so I, I want you guys to take away this. You know, if, if you're on your laptop and not concentrating on the session, I understand we're a distracted society, but this has everything that we talked about, <laughs> okay? Uh, so if you wanna pay attention to this slide, it will give you what we learned today. Getting started with web applications is kind of the bread and butter for a service like Elastic Beanstalk. Think of it not as a service, but a set of tools available to you. Uh, you can perform migration of .NET applications over onto a managed platform for Windows, and Beanstalk supports Windows managed platforms with automated uh, updates and health monitoring. We launched the Migration Assistant to help you migrate web applications. Now that's a product we've launched uh, earlier as part of the pre-invent launches available on GitHub. You can modernize your applications using Docker and multi-container Docker environments. And here's an example to do that. And it's not just about getting started. You can apply, uh, you can set up your environments to get automatically updated. You can monitor health of these and get alerted. You also have street log streaming and log analysis that you can do. We didn't get into that, but there's a lot of excellent detail on that uh, on the documentation page. And if you don't like reading documentation, click around the console, you'll discover wonderful things. We talked about advanced scenarios, uh, deployment options, CI/CD, blue-green deployments, uh, also how you could potentially build your own SPAS. Three features we talked about 
spot instances, managed updates turned on by default, Linux AL2 with Corredo 8 and 11. You also saw how you can run a machine learning workload on Beanstalk and getting it all together. Now, by Friday, you'll forget all of this, okay? So what I would like you to do is to remember this session, take an Elastic Beanstalk sticker for your laptop. There's some in the back right there. There's some I'll put out in the front if you want to take it. Uh, but this will help you remember the session so you go back home and you can do your homework. Thank you very much.